0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go.
1: Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try?
0: So guys and girls welcome back to the show Welcome to episode 84 of the Reviver Cell Podcast Things are moving along nicely Everyone seemed to love the episode last week with Ruben um, Real good guy, love Ruben um, We're going to try and get him back on when he's got his new books out But it's a fascinating interview, top, top person Someone I really respect in the industry and he's is, is also a close friend So it's great to get him on um, also guys people still going in hard on the free 4 day mini course and getting lots of emails about working with us which is great if, if you need that and you're not aware of it then head on over to www.reviveyourself.co for a free 4 day mini course if you've got a chronic illness or if you want some one to one help then send me an email www.ryan at reviveyourself.co we also have a link on the revive yourself website which is not a problem also our shop is very very close to being up and running we'll be doing articles with the links etc got some top products we're just putting together the last little bits had to wait for my internet guy um he's all it's all, his all better now he's all better his family's all better so that's all running nice and smoothly and so that'll be up putting that all together and um today's guest Ladies and gentlemen, is Mark McAfee from Organic Pastures? I've been a huge fan of Mark's ever since watching him in a documentary called Farm Again years ago. Uh, he is the owner of or, um, owner of Organic Pastures in California, which is a farm and a brand. They are the only raw milk, cert- organically certified farm in the whole of the California state. They produce the most milk. Uh, of Everyone, he's the quality of his product is phenomenal and you'll be able to see his absolute passion for what he does in the way he speaks today I've been wanting to get him on for a while I'll be fair all my guests I've always got my eye on them trying to get them on um, and linked up with Mark t- talked to his guys and got him on fascinating it was like straight away instantly got each other um, and he'd be someone definitely getting back on the show for sure I mean he's just got an insatiable passion for getting raw milk out to people clean healthy milk not terrible toxic pasteurized milk homogenized milk and he's also so, so keen on getting people to understand the principles of farming for the longevity of life and also for the longevity of the human race. So, without further ado, here is Mark. Enjoy, guys and girls, and I'll see you on the other side. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Very uh, privileged to have you here. You're just saying to to everyone, you're from Fresno in California, which is about, you say, 80 miles inland, Correct.
2: Correct. It's right in the middle of the Central San Joaquin Valley, about halfway between Sacramento and Los Angeles, and we're kind of in the, the desert, fertile, growing, you know, agricultural property uh, ground that's at the base of the Sierra Nevadas, and uh, it's very fertile here. Yeah, a lot of agricultural land.
0: Yeah. So you got a uh, so it's the organic pastures is your, is your is your is that your is it a farm or is that just a brand name?
2: It's a brand and it's also our farm name. Okay. um organic pastures dairy was founded in 1999 it's a family farm operation it's about 500 acres of ground and yeah. it has an organic dairy mm-hmm. pasture-based organic dairy certified organic it has its own on-farm dairy facility as well as creamery processing plant we do all of our uh, products raw oh, yeah, and then amazing. we distribute yeah and then we distribute with about 20 of our own trucks to about 500 stores throughout the state of california every week
0: Awesome. So this is why we're here, talk about raw milk, etc. But just for that, so so are you mainly just just, just serving the Californian population? You don't you do it across the across the country at all?
2: We do uh, a lot of cheese in other states. Right. We have a fe- we have a federal law here that does not allow us oh, to yeah, ship our raw dairy products over state lines. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I think one of the the first times this must be years ago. I think one of the first times I saw yourself was. I think it was on a documentary called Farmageddon. I think it was on Farmageddon, and and they had to like pour all their milk out because it was going across state borders. And I was like, this is insane. Like one of the most phenomenal foods known to man, and they're pouring it out like it's formaldehyde. But they sit that in a. In, in vaccines but we get we getting into that anyway but the uh <laughs> the uh so your farm started 1999 but you wasn't on the farm then was you you've got a, a background in is it in is it in the medical industry
2: correct i was actually grew up on a farm and actually my my mom and dad had a dairy when i was a child but my uh that, that went away um uh, my grandparents uh had some land it was rented to other farmers the family farms were rented to other farmers while I was in high school. And then my first job out was high school, I was actually a commercial welder, like commercial welder. And uh, I, I saw a guy almost get killed and the helicopter came in oh. and, uh, and rescued him and took him off to the hospital. And I was very impressed with the helicopter and the nurses and the paramedics. So I decided to go become a paramedic and I taught paramedic medicine for about six or seven years at the health department. And I served in all kinds of capacities as a certified paramedic for 16 years. And I had a very deep background in pre-med.
0: Okay. And so, how did you? I mean, how did you then step over into the into the farming? I mean, because it's quite a. I mean, what you've done with it is impressive. You know, just for everyone out there, <laughs> out there, obviously, you're listening. You can't see it. Mark's got a shirt on that says "Cows in the Sunshine." Green grass and raw milk. I need to get one myself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to get everyone by them. It's perfect. Um, yeah. So, how did you transition in from from doing the paramedic, paramedic um, to then taking over or taking on the farm?
2: Well, as I worked as a paramedic, uh, you'd work twenty four hour shifts. So you'd be off for a couple of days. You work twenty four hour shifts. So uh, I'd work about two and a half shifts a week. The, the days off, I would actually do hobby farming on the side. So I'd help my grandparents do some farming and then monitor the leases and do all that kind of stuff with the family farming operations. But after my grandparents passed away, there was this thousand acres of land that was there to farm and my brothers didn't want to farm. And I was kind of done with being a paramedic, 24 hour shifts are exhausting and Mm. sleep deprivation was exhausting. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to really consciously take over these farming operations with the intent to be local, family-based, consumer-connected, diversified, certified organic, and branded and vertically integrated. And all those things put together created my my plan for how we're going to execute. And Organic Pastures Day was based on being consumer-connected. And the more I talked to consumers, I went to farmer's markets and did a lot of research, the more I realized they wanted to know your farmer. They wanted no GMOs. They wanted no Roundup, no antibiotics, no hormones. They wanted to visit you. They wanted the cows on green grass pastures. They want sunlight. They didn't want things processed. They wanted it safe, and they wanted it raw. Mm. I thought, you know what? Those are the boxes. I'm going to check all those boxes. Check, 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 check. And that defined our brand. So we built our organic pastures dairy based on what consumers wanted of the farmer. Mm. And that's what we did, and it's been very successful.
0: Yeah, I can tell But the saying. I think I heard you speak a few years ago, and you're saying, I think, you know, one of the fourth, big, the fourth largest um, – Camp or company of Natural Dairy, I think it was in in the US. Was that correct?
2: No, actually, in California, all right. we sell we sell more raw organic milk than any other brand of organic milk, oh, no, and I mean. we're raw, and the others are pasteurized. Our um, and that's by dollar volume, you not know
0: by what, volume. Yeah, well, was so you know why that is? It's because everyone knows you in the health industry. That's why, and everyone wants your stuff.
2: Well. It directs people's lives it directly impacts people's lives in a very positive way and you know when people say well why would people want to drink raw milk i said well if you really look at what raw milk is it's the first food of life what's breast milk it's not pasteurized it's raw and it's from an animal humans and so the next evolutionary step would be okay mom's breastfeeding for six months or a year or whenever however long she is would it be a highly processed food or would it be more raw milk?" And the bottom line is it would be more raw milk Mm -hmm. and when moms go from breastfeeding to raw milk from an organic dairy that's had its products tested and 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 clean and green children thrive just as they have for 15,000 years because mammalian milk has been the go-to product it's been breastfeeding and then goat sheep horse camel cow around the world to support children as they grow because you didn't have to wait to fish or hunt or farm or grow things in a garden, you had food today. As long as you had grass and sunshine, and a little rain once in a while, you had food today. And by the way, it was portable. You could take the cow or the goat with you mm. and you had milk wherever you went. And it was a whole food. You could survive solely on that without any other foods, at least for an intermediate, intermediate period of time. So it's profoundly a part of essential part of history of man that we've abandoned in the last 80 to 90 years in that highly processed foods have actually changed that food into something that's very allergenic, causes a lot of allergies and not digestible. When in fact, raw milk is great for allergies. It makes them go away. There's big studies in Europe showing it's good for allergies, asthma and eczema, and it's not associated with lactose intolerance. So mankind is really screwed up. A perfect food of life from
0: Mother Nature. It's just, it's mind-boggling because people think they're doing it for the safety of consumption, yet the product that they're, they're putting out to people, the sales are going down 1% every year, which is huge because people can't tolerate it because they're so allergic to it. Um, it's the, one of the most allergenic product, well, foods on the planet, actually, pasteurized, homogenized milk, just destroyed the nature of milk. But the fact I was going to say to you, uh, you, you said right there, like people well, people listening to this understand, but I say... You're lucky in one way that you were in California, right? Because a lot of other states don't have raw milk in them. Um, And so, I mean, in California, I mean, well, it's known as, like, quite a healthy state. It's a state up and down the coast as well. I I was up and down there in the summer, and I think I might go back there next year because there's so many people to interview just face-to-face as well. It's like California. I mean, it's a perfect place for you to be.
2: Well, it is. Uh, I will say though in California it has some extremely strict rules okay. and that's why there's only five dairies in California. that have a permit to produce raw milk okay. and we're the only cert- we're the only certified organic dairy in California producing mm. this product because it's so hard to do. The restrictions are very, very tough. But if you make it that, if you make that your realm, if you make that your world, it's not rocket science. You have to keep clean, clean, green, green, hot, hot, and cold, cold. And you have to be very consistent in doing that. And we add another layer of doing daily pathogen testing at a local lab to confirm that the products we're creating today don't leave the farm without knowing exactly what the pathogen levels are, which are always zero or we won't ship them. So the bottom line is we combine the best of Mother Nature and the environment we have and the conditions the cows are in, that's super important, with the most modern PCR AOAC FDA approved testing. So we have extremely advanced testing technologies with very, very good conditions on the cows and good protocols for managing the cows, for healthy cows in good conditions. And what do you know? You've got a marriage there, a modern science and the best of traditional conditions for cows, and you've got yourself a winner in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, the testing... Needs to be done for all these companies that want their little taste of uh, your profit, but generally, even if you didn't get them tested, I'm sh- I'd, I'm sure they'd be absolutely fine. Considering if, if once a farmer knows what he's doing, you know. Uh, but they obviously they want their they want their they want their little taste for the certifications etc. But just with people out there, Mark. So, when you're talking about raw dairy, you know, people still, they're still, if you're not in our game, health game and natural health, they don't understand the benefits, as you said before, getting rid of allergies, especially like any, when you're a toddler, ear infections, nasal infections, anything, um it's phenomenal for their immune system, it boosts it, raw milk has been phenomenal. Now, just for people out there, there's still this stigma of, oh my God, it's raw, like it's not been treated, you know, you can get tuberculosis from this, you can get other pathogens. Now, why, first of all, have to say your take on it, but... If you want to go back before that, why did they even start to pasteurize dairy?
2: Well, if you look at America as one story, and there was stories around the world. but Let's look at America. In the 1600s and 1630, you had to have a cow and a musket Mm. or you died. (laughs) Yeah, A cow, all the pilgrims went back to Europe or died or had cows. Because if you didn't have cow's milk, you couldn't make cheese. You couldn't make food today and you couldn't wait to hunt. You couldn't wait to fish and farm and the farming wasn't very successful initially anyway. So in Jamestown in 1630, it was, you've got a musket and a cow. So everybody had a cow Mm -hmm. or he had a neighbor with a cow. So that was kind of the beginnings of America. Now that was on green grass and newly settled properties. Cities were not highly developed. You always had pastures nearby. You were moving around a lot of new development available, lots of space, lots of green space. Now, you go 150, 200 years later in the 1800s, people were bringing their cows with them into the cities. There was no pasture in the cities. There was no flushing toilets. There was no water. It was a filthy mess. So you had cows being consolidated in very tight confinement, being fed unnatural foods like distillers' grains, because uh, there were a lot of breweries in the towns to make wine and you know, not wine, but make rum and things like that. So the cows were not being fed something natural. They weren't in sunshine. And they were really in a muddy mess with tuberculosis brucellosis typhoid fever the water quality was horrendous that's when the problem began when the cows were moved from a natural environment into in the in the inner cities like boston commons and places like that in the mid 1800s and you had a horrendous problem it was a sanitation issue unhealthy milking of the cows no chilling of the milk it was a disaster 40 to 50 percent of the kids that drank that milk died every year it was Mm. a disgusting it was a mess So in 1893, Dr. Coit established the American Association of Medical Milk Commissions, the AAMMC, and he was a physician who had actually lost his son to to this bad milk. He said, we're going to clean up the milk problem. And Dr. Coit actually established these standards where physicians would visit the dairies, which were mostly outside of the towns uh, that they wanted to certify, and actually assure that the cows were cared for very carefully and things were very clean, and literally the people that spent that money for that expensive milk, did very, very well. And physicians recommended that milk because it was so good for children. But during that same time, Mr. Strauss of the Macy's uh, store Mm -hmm. lineage uh, brought in the parboiler from France, which was the early type of pasteurization from Pasteur. Instead of cleaning up the cows, he just cooked the hell out of the milk. (laughs) And literally within a few years, the reduction of deaths because uh, water quality was still a big problem, but now you can industrialize filth. And so you had a big problem with the fact that you could still get away with really bad conditions, but you reduce the challenges because of cooking the milk and killing the bacteria that were in there. So that's the kind of the split that happened in the in the pathway, you know, 1893. And then to the 1940s or so, certified raw milk did do it very, very, very well. But after 1940s, remember, we didn't have any money. We just fought World War II. Things were kind of, you know, industrial revolution. We can use industry and antibiotics and uh, pasteurization to solve all of our ailments, and we wanted cheap food. So we started building bigger and bigger dairies, having less and less uh, concern for safety in terms of cleanliness and conditions, and pasturing started to go away. And the last certified raw milk dairy was actually the Altadena dairy in Los Angeles in 1998, 1999. And that was right when we were established as organic pasteurized dairy. We kind of picked up on that old history, but brought it forward with grade A raw milk under the new California standards. So it's a very interesting story of how raw milk and pasteurized milk kind of lived in harmony for about 60 years until the dominance of cheap milk and industrial sanitation practices with sterilization or, or pasteurization actually predominated over the more expensive milk, which had all these medical qualities to it
0: and so I mean they're doing that now right with their meat and their CAFOs and as you said you can industrialize filth in terms of instead of like feed a grass sorry feed a cow grass and 80% of the e. coli has gone in a week I think it is something like that um, instead of doing that no no what we'll do is um, we'll just spray the meat with ammonia because that'll make it a lot better and we're we're keeping them all together in in their own filth and shit and we're feeding plastic pellets and petroleum and rendered food. Look that up, people. Rendered food, lovely, um, because it's a lot cheaper. And people think that drinking the milk from a, th- a million different cows—I'd say a million, say a couple of thousand different cows that are all ill and sick—is going to cause them to. Or is, is it safer for them than drinking raw milk? Or for someone like yours, farm, who all the cows are looked after, chewing the cud, out in the sunshine looking after and it's just mind-blowing to me so when you you're talking about that about um about how how that sort of changed but the stigma is still around today and you still get people saying that that raw milk is dangerous now how how would i mean if 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 it was done wrong i get you like you're saying before they were there were the cows that were taken to the cities there were people being milked by a lot of poor people and putting their feet in it to keep their feet warm right and and they are even yeah. putting like corn and stuff in, in the milk to try and make it more white. I get that. But for someone like yourself, how, how much safer is drinking your raw milk than drinking the milk that comes from a the CAFO?
2: There's been 84 people that have died since 1970 from consumption of pasteurized dairy products. 84. And several hundred thousand. It depends on which data you look at. Several hundred thousand illnesses from pasteurized dairy product. Ice cream, very, very uh, really? dangerous. It's the top most risky foods in America. Oh, ice cream. Ice cream ice creams there, and pasteurized cheeses are in the top 10 risky foods. Really? Um, raw cheeses and raw milk are not in the top 10 risky foods. So it is an interesting paradigm that the CDC has combined forces with, the, Cal- the uh, Centers for Disease Control has combined forces with industrial marketing to suppress uh, excitement about raw milk. Now, our raw milk comes from one dairy, our dairy. Mm. We don't combine it from 10 different dairies. When you make pasteurized dairy products, you combine that milk with 50, 100 dairies, dump them in one big tank, and you pasteurize it two or three times to assure that the bad bugs don't get through. And by the way, they don't test that milk ever, ever, not once, for pathogens. (laughs) All (laughs) you do is cook the hell out of it, all right? And you pasteurize it, and you homogenize it, you standardize it, you do everything else with it, and you get a product made from milk, but it's no longer milk. Raw milk has 2,500 different proteins, has 700 different kinds of bacteria at extremely low levels. Uh, it has enzymes, including the alkaline phosphatase enzyme, which is very anti-inflammatory. It has a whole bunch of heat-sensitive proteins, which are very inhibitory of pathogen development. Pathogens can grow in raw milk, but they don't get excited like Listeria does in pasteurized milk. Listeria loves pasteurized milk. In fact, most of the deaths for pasteurized milk have come from Listeria. Listeria does not grow well in raw milk at all. It'll grow, but very slowly and dies off because the competitive environment in pasteurized milk has been destroyed. You've got lots of food, cold environments, no competition, and Listeria loves that environment. In raw milk, you've got cold conditions, but there's no food because... What you've got is all these other matrices looking around and making sure that, that Listeria is isolated and suppressed in growth and you don't see a rapid takeoff. That's why you don't see deaths from Listeria in raw milk. You see it in pasteurized milk. But the data is very clear about this. So what you want to worry about is E. coli 015787, which came rare bloody head in the early 1980s, killing people in, in ground beef at, at Jack in the Box and, and Burger King here in, in the United States. And you can test for that now in 10 hours and it can happen in raw milk. It's very, very rare but it can not happen, but it's a manifestation of lab experience gone bad with antibiotics abuse. It wasn't mother nature. It was the bacteria response to mankind screwing with nature with antibiotic abuse, which caused an antibiotic resistant bacteria pathogen like E. Coli O157:H7 to emerge, which didn't even exist in the 60s and 70s. So mankind has created its own bad bacteria that now it's having to live with and die with as a manifestation of abuse of things like antibiotics. So it's a very interesting evolution of of mankind where we are today. But we do know this, when you have a raw milk dairy, which is a single dairy going to its own production facility, and you test the milk, the milk is far, far more safe than pasteurized. No question. No No, question.
0: No question. I mean, it's coming from one place, and if anything goes wrong, they know where it's coming from, right?
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Not all raw milk is equally produced the same way. No. So when you look at the CDC studies about raw milk, they go out and test 8,000 milk tanks. All of that milk is intended to be pasteurized. Of course it's going to have a bad bug in it. How fair is that to say that's raw milk when in fact raw milk intended for human consumption with clean environments, good pastures, organic, you know, all the things we do is an entirely different kind of milk.
0: Hmm. Mean, it actually
2: looks different. It actually
0: looks different. It tastes different, looks different, it, the, I mean this is this is their scientism that they like to do. It's like saying red meat's yep. bad for you yeah red meat red meat causes cancer or what your toxic uh, terribly farmed red meat yeah that, that i wouldn't touch with a barge pole yeah I'm, I'm guessing it is yeah compared to like someone who produces uh, a, a free-range organic cattle with without antibiotics and hormones etc it's, it's just it's like it's always say like it's not even apples and oranges it's like apples and bowling balls you know so and then and they do these tests and and it, and it's for a couple of popcorn headlines you know that like to scare people um it's it's truly uh and, and, and then people jump on the bandwagon and it's a way of doing it but so for, i've got loads of questions here mark but one of yours do you so do you use anti because I mean, you said about E. um antibiotic resistance is going to be a big thing because they're obviously putting them into a lot of animals these days um do you use antibiotics in your in your cattle no
2: no when you're certified organic you're prohibited from using antibiotics. So there's no antibiotics anywhere near our farm.
0: Perfect, and so what keeps them so healthy and so, and the milk so clean and delicious?
2: When you have a healthy immune system, it fights infection by itself. And if you have one where the cow can't survive, she's gone. And what you do after a while is you evolve your herd out of having problems because you've actually selected for their cows that don't. And you stop encouraging having problems. So on rare occasion, we'll have a little bit of mastitis, but believe it or not, things like raw honey do a great job of eliminating some some of the mastitis we have. Uh, there's a few times where we have resistant mastitis, that cow is gone, we get rid of her. But we have very, very few of those problems and our cold rates are pretty low as a result. These uh, dairies that use lots of antibiotics, they create more problems with the use of antibiotics than they actually cure. So the conditions they have promote and encourage the use of antibiotics. And, of course, the pharmaceuticals love that, too. So they have their own paradigm of challenge. We have our own paradigm of success and what we're working with Mother Nature.
0: I like that. That's good. That's good. Paradigm of challenge, paradigm of success. And I can tell from your passion, Mark. You're making me smile the whole way through this because I just love it. It's just brilliant. You're very passionate about it. And you should be because you've got a quality product and more people need to know about it. And then more – I mean, we've got we've got a couple of farmers around here, and they're, they're few and far between. But – you taste them and you give it to people like "Cool, that's that's delicious i'm like "Yeah, it's how milk should taste um that's how milk should taste are you,
2: are you familiar with hook and sun
0: hook and Son, yeah hook and sun yeah. yeah but we're they actually use, work, go for it we're
2: actually working with we're actually working with them
0: oh yeah okay uh, with, the,
2: with the raw milk institute they've uh, sup- they've uh applied to become listed which is kind of a certification process yeah, yeah. for raw milk yeah. currently in north america there's 17 dairies that are actually certified to be raw milk producers under the raw milk institute standards or the common standards, and Hook and Son is the first one in UK to apply.
0: Oh, awesome! Yeah, Hook and Son—they um. So I used to get quite a lot of Hook and Son. I've got a couple of other ones now. Longwood Farm is in Suffolk. We've got another farm that's down in um, in uh, not too far in or Hempstead, um, but um. That's me or you? That's me. That's me. No, it's you. That's hold, right. on, free, hold on, just Hold on, of. A, i got to deal with this real quick. No worries, mate. Go for it. So, uh, as is uh, live recording, sometimes we get these things, but it was a quick little break and um, we got Mark right back on and so we're just going to continue now. Enjoy. So, Mark. Mark, you just got a little this in the middle, but that's all right. So, we're just talking about the... Um, so, long so Hook in the Sun, I was saying that, yeah, that we used to use them and then there's Longwood Farm in Suffolk and we've got one down at hemel Hampstead. but... Um, I used to work for a natural health company, and a lot of people didn't didn't want to buy from Hook and Son because they were using Frasian cows, okay? And they wanted and they wanted um, Jersey cows. They wanted the milk from the Jersey cows. Jersey over here has got a, a very strong reputation of being the best cows. So, something I wanted to ask you about: I think you've got a bit of a mixed um, a mixed bag of cows. So, what cows do you use? It are is Jersey are Jersey cows better in producing the tastiest, best raw milk, or is it best to have a little mixture?
2: I I am not a big believer in Jersey cows or any particular cow being the perfect cow. Every one of the cows has their own benefits and their own challenges. We actually crossbreed cows because when you want to have uh, an organic cow, which which is not treated with antibiotics, you want to have hybrid vigor. And you do that by crossbreeding. If you've got just one uh, breed of cows, they always have a challenge of some kind. They do some things very, very well. Other things they don't do well at all. For instance, Jerseys have extremely weak calves; their calves die very easily, really? and they're hard to they're hard to have a calf to rip re- to reproduce. Right. Mm. So, Jersey uh, Holsteins have a little bit stronger calves, but they produce a lot more milk, but less butterfat. Jerseys have fantastic butterfat and more yellow milk. Uh, Jerseys have red, uh, yellow meat. Uh, the the fat in their meat is is yellow versus red and white. Uh, Holsteins have uh, red and white meat so it's just there's differences between them all and I'm not gonna say one cow is better than the other it's just that they all have their individual challenges and their individual benefits we like to breed them all together and have ourselves Jersey Holstein crosses Ayrshire Jersey cross crosses Jersey crosses lots of different crosses and what we found is they work very very well they produce a medium amount of milk for a few with fewer hassles fewer challenges because in the organic environment you have to have a cow which actually does well by herself without having a a bunch of antibiotics or something to support her
0: yeah and so with that so when you when you milk your cows is it a combination of the milk or do you sell oh this is a jersey cow's milk or this is a cross milk or is it just going to one big blend
2: one big blend one tank holds all the milk
0: cool and so when you're so a lot of the um I think a lot of the cows that are on traditional say traditional farms, they shouldn't be traditional. They should be untraditional, the ones that use them like slaves. They burn a cow a cow out in around about eighteen months, is that correct? I don't know. Maybe well maybe a bit 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 more. Four four years. Four years uh, which is
2: means two years to get to be a cow.
0: Oh that's yeah, okay, yeah. Go for and it. And
2: then another two years and they're kinda of done. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's a little more than eighteen months. in, in California it's like twenty four months. Okay. But it's from birth, it's about 48 months altogether because okay. you've got two years to become a cow in terms of producing milk.
0: Okay. And so, so they're done in like four years. How long would a cow on your farm last, for example?
2: Six to 12.
0: Six to 12. That's outrageous. Yep. So, it's a
2: completely different set of conditions, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so they're literally just... These cows are like having people down the mines, for example, just digging, 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 breaking people away. And no wonder, I mean, it's like, in, 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 um, so, for example, our research shows a, a woman, once they've given birth, they should generally wait around three years until they give birth to another child because it takes so much out of their system to produce a child that they need three years recovery before having another one because it's a lot of, Imagine carrying a child for nine months, takes a lot out of them, takes the immune system, all, this, all, the, all the nutrients the them. And so you want to give them the time to rest before they start to bear another child. Whereas they're literally just... So what they're doing to these cows, I mean, really it's animal cruelty, right? Uh, I mean, if doing that to them and treating them that way. So six to 12 years compared to, say, four... I mean, that's an outstanding number. I mean, do do you, do you just rotate them a lot? I mean, it says different conditions. So you like, so for example, would those cows has constantly been milked until they're just done? Uh, and you, do do sort of rotate yours and that, that way they last much longer?
2: There is a rotation. There's a a couple of months per year where they're not milked at all. Mm-hmm. About two and a half months a year, they're not milked at all, and they don't give birth to a calf every year. It's about a year and a half. So it, it's not the gas pedal to the floor kind of situation we're trying to get. 15 gallons of milk out of the cow per day. We're looking at five to six gallons, which is literally half less than half of what you're getting from a capo dairy, but we're also not feeding them a lot of grain and uh, Hormones and all those things to accelerate their ability to produce tons and tons of milk that burns them out So what you've got is grass, which is a lower energy food You've got supplements of minerals and stuff to have optimum health with medium amounts of milk produced The cow will last a lot longer and she will be very happy because her body condition and these reserves you're talking about, which are so important, stay, you know, body condition stays intact and they do much better because they have those reserves.
0: Yeah. And so with so with this, I mean, the other thing that people say that they reserves, and people talk about animal cruelty and stuff, and a lot of people also talk about how we're not actually made to, to drink milk especially the big vegan movement that's going on at the moment. It's like a religion. Um, if you want to be vegan, go for it. If you do well in it, fine. But, but there seems to be a lot of shoving it down people's throats right now. And, and there's videos that go on, around um, on social media saying, look, humans shouldn't be drinking cow's milk. Uh, cow's milk is baby calf formula. Uh, and we're not designed to, to, to tolerate it or, or digest it. Um, what would you say to that? I've got,
2: got a great answer for that. Yeah, A great answer. The vegans that we deal with, we have a lot of ex-vegans drinking raw milk because their nervous systems are shot. The brain requires these good fats, and the nervous uh, tissues, the swan cells, require the insulation. And what happens after years and years of not having raw animal fats, they lose that insulation. And they they don't go mad, but, I mean, they become a wreck, Mm. (laughs) a nervous wreck. And, you know, literally within hours of having good raw fats like whipped cream, my God, they, they calm, they settle, they stop shaking, you know, but here's, here's what I tell them. Why is it that breast milk is animal milk? It's because it's the optimal food has, it's withstood the the, the test of a hundred thousand or 200 or 500,000 years of evolution to be the optimal food for a baby to thrive and survive. So an optimal food for the first two years of life, having and including raw animal fat gives you a big indication of perhaps what you should be eating further in life. Mm -hmm. The International Milk Genomics Consortium here in uh, UC Davis has concluded that when mankind was able to uh, domesticate animals and capture those raw animal fats and the proteins found in these domesticated animals, goats, sheep, horses, camels, great competitive advantage occurred. Huge competitive advantage occurred because they could continue to build their immune systems and thrive with strong bone building, strong uh, nutrition and building blocks of life, which actually allowed us to create community, not have to hunt so much, not have to fish so much, not have to garden or or plant foods, uh, you know, farming. And you actually had a competitive advantage over those species that did not. So I would say this. I would say those that say we don't drink raw milk, don't understand very much about history. You go back no more than 120 years ago. In fact, you go around the world some places today, people find themselves starving, literally starving. You put a cow in the middle of that. There was a big experiment done by the UN uh, in the middle of Africa several years ago. In fact, Oprah Winfrey was involved, the Heifer Project. You stop starvation when you put cows in the middle of of, of communities. You had increase in trade, you had cheese, and you had food today. It wasn't a handout. It wasn't an airdrop from an aircraft dropped rice in you actually, had food today, and people stopped starving. So, people forget that when they go to the store to buy their food because it's so plentiful and so cheap. But you take the stores away, they'll be begging for a cow, a goat, a sheep, a camel, or a horse, or something that has milk today, so you can actually feed your kids because without it, you starve.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's this seems is, um, everyone just wants to sort of, um, almost play, well, they're not play they're just, they just, they just hear something, and they just want to just go, go with it, and they just think, yeah, that's right. It's like, well, let's, let's, let's look at this logically, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal, food. I mean, you say it's not just a liquid, it's a phenomenal food. And, and when you have it, you can, you, you can taste, taste is delicious. It's so nourishing. I've had it lots of times well. I don't drink it all the time because I feel like it's a bit of a food, oh. food for famine and I have it when and as and when, and, and I do and I do enjoy it, especially for a moon booster in the winter time on a Sunday. Lovely glass of raw milk or whatever, it's gorgeous. But I mean, people, I think they, they just get away from um, actually understanding what it's doing to the body, how it's nourishing it, and they need to look into the studies of how how much it boosts their immune system. Now, with with all this as well, um, with with the way you produce. This these cows and what they're what they're fed. So your cows chew the cud all year round. All year round. All year round.
2: Chewing the cud. Remember, a cow has four stomachs, so they regurgitate things we can't eat. They eat grass. We can't eat grass.
0: We have a very hard time eating grass. Just before just before you go there, I always say to people, cows are herbivores, right? So they're meant to be chewing the cud. You start giving a cow corn, and all of a sudden you're changing its DNA. I don't know what it is anymore. So
2: they're ruminants. Cows are ruminant, which means they ruminate, which means that they take uh, all these grasses that we cannot digest because we have one stomach. Mm -hmm. And they take it into four stomachs and break it down with a lot of bacterial and enzymatic action, including regurgitation and chewing it some more in their mouth. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is a cow is able to convert foods we cannot eat into foods we can deliciously eat, especially in raw form. You made a point about the fact that we have such a hard time digesting milk. Well, that's because it's highly processed. You go back 120 years ago, 100 years ago when people drank raw milk, nobody ever complained about algaes uh, to, to milk. Nobody complained about digestibility of milk because it was raw. Bottom line is that's a manifestation of our modern processing. And because people are so disconnected from the farm, they don't have a clue about what their food comes from. They don't even know about raw milk. All they've heard is the marketing agenda from the food safety stuff, which is partially true because of the dark history of some raw milk. But you go back and you dig into that and you look into it more deeply, you find that it's a big lie, a big fat lie, yeah,
0: and you're also looking into who's done it who's put the article out there. And it's just like you're reading newspapers you haven't got it it's because most people are, I don't want to say it, but they are ignorant with it because they don't actually know where to look it's like well, look and they're looking when you look on Google, they go to Google site, and the algorithm puts into a main a mainstream stream site you're like you're looking in all the wrong areas and you're getting all the answers they want you to get and so when you talk about that, yeah, I always say you're not lactose intolerant or dairy intolerant you're pasteurized, homogenized dairy intolerant i've never had a problem digesting raw organic exactly. dairy once hasn't ever been an issue exactly. ever been an issue that's um, right. and, that's right. and, but then but then if you're going to pour your milk your raw milk on on your um cereal with your wheat and gluten and glyphosate and everything else and you might have a bit of problem digesting it is it the milk or is it the other things you're putting it over you know so i mean this is so your cows eat grass all year round that's phenomenal especially in california because you know how hot it can get there um do, so this is the other thing. They've been finding lots of metals and things like glyphosate in conventional milk, right? So these cows are getting damaged. And isn't, isn't this, isn't that the conventional milk? If you're drinking that, isn't it adding, well, it's going into kids. They are finding kids' brains and this whole autism epidemic, you know. Let's talk about vaccines. You add the vaccines and heavy metals and glyphosate and you're just asking for trouble.
2: Well, I don't know what the origin of autism is. And really nobody knows exactly But we do know that as you add the the straws on the camel's back, at some point it breaks. If you have a a child who has a very weakened immune system to begin with, and you start adding in uh, multiple heavy vaccinations with uh, heavy metals and preservatives, and then you hit the child with antibiotics early on, and you do sterilized foods, remember that the immune system is made up 80% at least of the biological diversity of bacteria in the gut. So antibiotics, sterilized foods, wow, how are you supposed to have diversity of bacteria in your gut with antibiotics and sterilized foods? You don't. In fact, the more sugar the kid gets, the more yeast overgrowth you get in candida. So you, you start having this compounding effect where it's, my God, we're falling apart. I mean, what, 98% of the DNA in our body is not even human. Mm-hmm. It's bacterial in origin. If you look at the Human Genome Project, which was funded by the DOE, the Department of Energy, 15 years ago. I mean, my God, we're bacteriosapiens. sapiens. Yeah. We need good bacteria to have an immune system that works properly and to not become an autoimmune mess and people that uh, are sterilizing themselves with antibiotics and with sterilized foods and GMOs and Roundup, my God, a very, very powerful antibiotic in its own right. And we are literally deconstructing, uh, de-evolving ourselves into a shadow of ourselves. We are a mess uh, with all of the autoimmune diseases we have, all of the uh, weakened immune systems we have. Uh, Asthma killing 10 kids a day in the United States. 10 kids Crohn's, a day. Crohn's 10 kids a day. 30, uh, yeah. 3,500 3, kids a year die from asthma, from asthma. Uh, Crohn's 130,000 colostomy tubes a year pooping out of a plastic bag. The gut is falling apart. So it's a wake up call, a freaking wake up call. We need to start eating unprocessed whole natural foods from good healthy soils. And that is what we've always eaten. That's what our genome requires. If we eat highly processed foods, let me tell you, it's downhole. It's, it's going downhill quick, especially when you go get, get scared you go to the doctor and you have an infection and they give you antibiotics and they give you more antibiotics and you go back for more antibiotics, you're destroying what the human genome is. So antibiotics are a wonderful tool if you're really sick and you need them. Yes, but don't ever, ever abuse them or overuse them. So we've gotten ourselves to a place now where we're overly dependent on Western medical pharmaceuticals and we are not even looking as food as a solution. In fact, doctors are given literally less than one day of training in all of their medical school about nutrition or the implications of nutrition on what makes us human. So it's no wonder where we are right now. And, you know, a quick little story. When we go to the farmer's market to sell our products to consumers, we hear a foreign dialect. We hear somebody from Germany or Russia or South America. They come right up and say, give me that milk like I had back home. I love this stuff. You get an American that comes up, and she's a little overweight. Teeth aren't so good. Oh, isn't that raw milk dangerous? and gives you this dialogue about fear. When that gorgeous, sexy mom from East Germany or Russia comes up with a trim, fit body and strong teeth and says, give me that stuff like back home with no dialogue about fear, you have a cultural issue. You also see the strength and the vibrancy of these other cultures that have, they're, they're evolving quickly now to be more like ours, unfortunately, but the bottom line is, those those people that lived on the farms in those countries drink a lot of raw milk, a lot of raw milk kefirs, uh, a lot of sprouted breads, a lot of these basic foods and nutrition, uh, that's, where they, that's where their generations came from. Now that they moved to America, they're quickly evolving into what we are, which is a obese, diabetic mess.
0: And, and the, problem, the problem with it, as you said, the allopathic, Western medicine. Besides, I mean, capitalist society. Unfortunately, yours is more. Is whack, I always say it's whack a word, whackadoo, compared to ours. I mean, ours bad enough. We're in bed with each other, but go to America, and the amount of adverts—you have to wait fifteen minutes before the advert finishes for all the side effects to be finished from the medication. But but you can. But you can, because people think because it's on TV, well, they wouldn't put it on TV if it wasn't safe, you would they? And so they go, oh, that's dangerous. And it's like they don't they understand that this capitalist society, these pharmaceutical companies have got billions of, of pounds or dollars, I I say, put it, into, put it on TV. Whereas someone like yourself, you know, you're, you're a single business. you I mean, you do well, but you're not... Uh, no uh, advertising. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no advertising for you and you're not a Forbes 100 company, you know. Um, and so, so these people, they don't understand, you know, this is sometimes what's, what I always say to people, if it's advertised, stay away from it, generally. Um As yeah. a general rule. But going back to that, you talked about the soil. You mentioned the soil. Now, people don't understand soil science and i think as a health coach and i think as someone who's interested in health in general people have to understand the soil and they have to understand the circle of life because this is something that we're missing massively so to get an organic certification um, on your milk obviously the soil has got to be good because i the cows cow not good so how so do you treat your soil first of all And also, can you tell us a little bit about, because I think it's now, I think it was about 15 years ago, America had lost 60% of its topsoil, which which is terrible, right? So how important is the soil for your cows, but how important is the soil in general for us growing and maintaining healthy produce?
2: There's far more life below the soil than there is above the soil on planet Earth. The bottom line is... Where the roots are in the soil and the earthworms and the liberation of minerals and uptake of minerals is absolutely critical to what plant life is doing and what's feeding the cows. So if you take a 500-mile view, go back and you get out in the space lab and you look at the earth, it's an embryo of life. It's a biome into itself. Water, soil, bacteria, heat, moisture, soils, worms, it's a biome. It's almost as if mankind has said, I'm not part of that biome," when in fact, that's where we came from. Hmm. We were birthed from that fantastic little lonely place called Earth, and we have separated ourselves from it. And when we do, we get sick and die. The bottom line is the soil is the basis of life on Earth. The soils, the oceans and wonderfully saturated by sunshine and the environment where we have the Goldilocks zone of being not too hot, not too cold, just right to have earth, earth, you know, be evolved and to have the species we have here, the Goldilocks zone. So the bottom line is we are terribly confused as humans right now, misunderstanding our role in that biome. If you look at the roots in the soil and what's going on with roots and bacteria and liberal uh, and mineralization and uptake and what's going on with roots and soil, you almost have an exact parallel universe in our gut, in our gut, the villi in our gut act like roots of the soil. And the soil is literally the fecal matter passing by, the digested nutrients of what's going through. Enzymes, bacteria, and the uptake by our villi and the colonization of bacteria on the villi is just what's going on in the soil. There's a perfect parallel between the two. In fact, I shared a stage with Dr. Jenny Casera, who's a USDA soil microbiologist PhD last year in San Diego. She talked about the roots of the soil and I talked about the earth biome and the, and the villi and the gut. And we both agreed hundred percent that they are in parallel universes together. There's no, there's no disconnection. What happens in the soil, what happens to your gut are very connected. So what you're saying about soil is so imperatively important on an organic dairy, all of our manure and urine and all that stuff goes back into the soil and nourishes the life under the soil. And that we never use a roundup here or anything like that. We're using natural compost and natural manure from the, from the, from the, uh, the, the, the cows, which are vital to the vibrancy of the soil. Once you take the animals off the soil, you start having a destruction of the soil. And for all time in America, animals have always been on the soil. Well, not recently. Industrialization has removed the animals to the soil and put them in a CAFO operation. So at Organic Pasture's Dairy, animals are on the soil, invigorating the soil, giving their manure to the soil so that the soil can be alive with bacteria, as well as the fertility to feed those bacteria and the earthworms and the roots to make a vital soil. So it's a very profound statement. But we got to rethink about what the hell we're doing on Earth. It's a pretty damn lonely space. We don't know any other place like it. We better take care of it, or we'll be extinct pretty soon. You look at it. It's pretty scary. we got to re-embrace the soils, re-embrace the foods that fuel us, and start regarding ourselves with a little more respect in terms of being bacterial sapiens, which we truly are
0: i mean paul Check. uh do you know paul at all paul Check. yes yeah yeah he talks about you know 70 percent of the, the the insect population is dying off and and when that happens and the bees go and the trees start to go then we go and people don't understand what they're doing for these things to profit and you're talking about people don't really understand that the power the circle of life as you said that the manure then um it then nourishes the soil and the soil and then the parasites in that. And, and parasites can break down rocks to turn into things they can feed the plants. And, and then for, and then it goes, and people don't understand this and how important it is. And I think people are so ignorant to it. They don't know because they don't know. But as you said, it's amazing how nature matches things like that in terms of our microbiome being like the soil. I always say to potential clients so when I'm talking to them on the phone doing consultations, I say, look, the best energy I can use for you is that we need to get a better in our ecosystem. So we need to change it in our inner ecosystem, um, which basically the way to look at it is a plant has its soil on the outside, whereas we have our soil on the inside, you know? Right. Um, right. We're 90 trillion bacterial cells, probably even more now. And I had Dr. Campbell McBride on here um, a couple of last week. And she was saying, she now says our gut isn't even our second brain, it's our first brain. And so when you look at it like that, people don't, because we're obviously, we, we see and, and people, we're all caught up in this modern world of let's do this and let's all look great. and But People don't understand. We don't take, the, take care of the roots and we don't start doing things properly and putting our money where our mouth is in terms of buying organic produce, buying raw milk of people like yourself, instead of going to supermarkets and getting things for cheap. It's like, I don't care about cheap. I care about quality. Um, and instead we don't start, start doing that, then things are going to be uh, going to be a big issue. So it's awesome for you to just tell, I mean, and get your passion out there about the soul because I think it's such an important topic. I think people need to learn lo- a lot more about it. I need to um, get the name of that doctor off of you um, afterwards because I'd love to interview her as well um, and talk to her about it. The other, the other question I wanted um, to talk to you a little bit about, Mark, was. Um, I've heard of the camel, camel's milk is coming out a little bit um, and different, different other other milk. So you've got raw goat's milk and you've got raw raw camel's milk. Um, what can you tell us a little bit about camel's milk? I've heard that it's meant to be one of the most highly uh, um, energetic foods, one of the most nutritious foods on the, on the planet.
2: Well, I was at an uh, international milk genomics conference this last year, and they talked about camel's milk. And they made a lot of medical claims on camel's milk. But those studies were done in Kazakhstan. Mm. Kazakhstan does not have an FDA that actually prohibits medical claims being made on raw milk. Huh. So there are lots of science, a lot of studies, and a lot of... Right here, this is great for your kids with autism. Right there in the store, you can actually buy camel's milk. that talks about this, but the FDA is not regulating that environment. I cannot come out directly and make medical claims on our milk. I have to go to some other website like Raw Milk Institute or go to a nonprofit like uh, oh the... the uh, Farmers Over Pharmacies website, which has all these videos of, of parents that use raw milk in their children to recover from asthma and Crohn's and these kinds of things. Raw milk kefir is fantastic for Crohn's, by the way. So you have to do this nonprofit thing, and you can't ever talk about a brand. You can only talk about generic, and it's, it's kind of in the gray area in the United States. We are not pro-nutrition health here at all. Our policies are pro-pharma. That's where the doctors are trained. That's where we're going. Thank you. All about the money, all about the money, all about the influence, all about food, fighting over where people are going to go when they're scared and moving them to the hospital to be treated. And now we're at over 20 percent of our gross national product is in the medical realm. When in 1962, it was five percent. We're going the wrong way real quick. Mm -hmm. We should be investing those monies into our soils, into our farmers, into education, for nutrition. So we aren't spending all that money on 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 pharmaceuticals and, and surgeries and, and doctors and stuff because we're getting older as a, as a as an as a society and there will not be enough doctors nurses to take care of us there will be not be enough uh, enough money to take forever care of everyone as they devolve no what we should be doing is eating well through the span of our life to have optimal nutrition so we don't need to fall apart and go to the, the hospital that's sustainable medicine you
0: know what I mean We've got more doctors, therapists, personal trainers, nutritionists, dietitians ever before. Yet we're fatter and sicker than ever. So they're not going to save us. And, and this is and this is. I mean, look at your generation. Your grandparents. I bet they weren't sick. Or, I mean, and they are on a farm. And so people need to go back to farming. If I have more land and when I buy my house, etc., I'm going to have going to have as much uh, things grown as possible out there. And and it's just because. It's something we need to get back into as well, understanding that the whole, sort of actually understanding how much we should appreciate our food as well. Um, I think it's another thing, you know. And so, just for the the record, Mark, I don't know if you you mind divulging this. To get an organic certification, how hard is it and how much does it cost?
2: Well, here's the thing it takes three years to convert land
0: organic certification so before before i one more time, just before you answer that because i want another question just quickly in there three years i know that so in the u.s i think there used to be about like seven certifications now that like 90 because the companies are just buying them and if you look into that coca-cola and snickers and stuff they buy organic produce uh, organic certifications and they say there's no difference between organic and non-organic but they're just testing the same food it's all rubbish but in england there was one or two, now there's about seven, I think. And the organic growers and farmers is and, and um soil association are the best in England. What is the best one for you guys?
2: You know I'm reluctant to actually say because there's some pretty serious corruption going on right now in the United yeah. States, especially on organic dairy. Uh, there's a lack of enforcement of what's called the pasture rule, especially under this administration, which has allowed ten to fifteen thousand cows confinement animal feeding operations, CAFO operations to hold an organic certificate sure. and not pasture their animals sure. when that's required in the law. There's all kinds of stuff going down about this right now. There's uh, threatened uh, class action, lawsuits, fraud, consumer fraud, all kinds of stuff and closure of smaller operations that do legitimately pasture. Now what's the big evil here? The big evil is a certifier is taking money from that big CAFO operation and saying, I'll come visit you in the wintertime when there's no pasturing going on and just trust you that you're pasturing in the summer. When, in fact, we know it's technically impossible to pasture 10,000 cows twice a day going back and forth to the milk barn out to just 200 acres of ground when you need 15,000 acres. It's insane, especially when you consider it's a desert environment and there's no pasture there. Mm. So it's complete fraud. It's willful fraud. It's fraud. It's criminal fraud. But it's being allowed. So we're seeing a real sorting out right now in our certifiers as to who has the intestinal fortitude to actually go enforce the law. And there's very few.
0: Hopefully we will uh, so be I, one I,
2: I, I'm not really, I know organic certifiers here in California, is very strong enforcement uh, arm for us. They certify us. Organic certifiers is the name of the place. CCOF has been historically very good, but recently I'm very concerned about them because they've been they've allowed these capable operations to get certification. Oregon Tilt was absorbed uh, into another organization. There's QAI, which is probably the biggest violator that I know of, Quality Assurance International, which is known as the Corporate Certifiers. And uh, they've done a very poor job of enforcing the detail necessary to have good compliance and integrity. So there's a, a movement in the United States called the Real, Real Organic Project and some other ones that are actually saying organic certification in the United States is really uh, not not to be trusted. And there's add-on certifications on top of the USDA organic standards that people are looking to to actually find true organic integrity. So we're having a challenge right now with organic integrity. That's, I'm the first to say that.
0: So, so the U- So is U. US. Um, USDA. USDA certified organic yeah. is that still good?
2: USDA is the government organization oh, the government. that
0: actually has. Oh, so, so they, so they're saying that they, these companies are. Right, I get you. So they're like the overlook, the the overlooking br- brands.
2: They're supposed to. They're supposed to regulate the certifiers that right. then certify. So it's a private certification organization that actually certifies, but the USDA has the standards. The problem is the USDA is not mandating that the private certifiers enforce the standards and allowing the big KFOS to get away with it. Mm-hmm. So- uh, I heard. I heard Greg, Gregory Gregory Ibach. Gregory Iback is the Undersecretary of Agriculture in the United States under Sunny Purdue. I heard him just three weeks ago in Washington, D.C. say, well, with all the excitement in the growth of organics, there's kind of an evolution towards industrial sized organic. And I've been to these places and there's just a misunderstanding. Well, you use industrialized and misunderstanding in the same sentence. And I'm serious. The corruption goes all the way to the top. So we've got a challenge in the United States in terms of getting our USDA to do what's the, the right thing. And we're working on that right now. It's not an easy challenge.
0: No, because people then will start buying things thinking it's organic, and, and it's not. So that's why you almost need to go exactly. to the source and, and... – and therefore, they're paying more because this is organic. But they can bastardize organic. That's what they've been trying to do with like these companies. And so I completely understand where you're coming from. So just before I interrupt you, because I just want to get a couple of questions in. But you were just about to say it takes three years. For people out there, it takes three years to get an organic certification um, by, by one of these companies. And they come and watch you turn your soul into, into it for three years. So um, talk, talk us through that process. And, and how much does it cost you as a farmer? <clears throat>
2: well, here's the thing. For that three years, you cannot sell your crops as organic. You cannot. But you have to have all organic inputs. So it's more expensive to do organic under our current paradigm, unfortunately. And so what you've got is you've got investment to go in without the return coming out. So it kind of keeps people from going to organic without truly committing themselves to long-term organic. And that stabilizes the marketplace because if everybody could become organic today, what you've got is people that have toxic soils and no practices uh, to support organic, selling their product at high value added when, in fact, you did not have that value added included in your crop plan and it would destroy the marketplace for those people that do do it. So it's half about the resiliency creating, uh, rejuvenating the the soils and getting things right. And it's half about preserving the marketplace to give the value added. So it's kind of a balance between those two to, to assure that, there's a fair marketplace which actually has vibrant soils and has things that are that have organic integrity.
0: So if, even so, say for example, it costs you five thousand pound a year to get certified organic. The reality is, before those, f- f- the first five years that you can actually start bringing money in, you'd need to have it's cost you three years of not being able to produce product. Exactly. And so, really, you're almost four times the amount of money down.
2: Correct. You have to invest in becoming organic.
0: Yeah, and so uh, there's. Go ahead, mate.
2: Well, it's we want to encourage organic production. We really do. At the same time, we want to make sure that whoever is actually doing it is legitimate, because in a capitalist environment like we've got in the United States, uh, agriculturalists will immediately run to the high value-added if you know if they can take advantage of it and destroy it. They'll destroy it. So. We have to be careful about keeping that gate closed and only letting those through that are serious about it so you have organic integrity for the consumers and the farmers that are actually participating in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, that's like um, it's like when people get these products that are like organic and it, they only have to have one molecule of organic to be, to be called organic. So you feed your cattle one, one segment of organic grass and say, oh, it is organic, but for the other 99.9% of the time, they've been eating pellets and sawdust and... and Rendered food and, and other toxic and corn and things like that. So, yeah. Okay, my man. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I completely understand. And that is something that, hmm, it's, for want of a better word, they're fuckers because... <laughs> because they're just because they're just ruining it for anyone who wants to be healthy, and then the people don't know where to turn. And someone like myself and yourself doing research all the time, you you've got to keep on top of it because they'll just start bastardizing and bastardizing and bastardizing stuff, until you don't know what's what. And so, I mean, but at least the cream always rises to the top. So the more other people bastardize, the more people are going to buy your produce.
2: That's true. And what they find is, you know, J.L. Rodale. Rodale was kind of the father of the of the modern organic movement. He was back in the 50s and 60s. He says, it is not organic to produce organic milk and then pasteurize it.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a question I actually it, wanted to ask you. Go, go for it. Go, go. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Hippocrates, Hippocrates, the great ancient Greek physician said, let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. All disease begins in the gut and please do no harm. Three very important things to remember from ancient Greece that need to be brought forward today. Because if we nourish our gut, you'll be well. And we, we're, we're getting that. We're getting that driving force in the organic movement where people are realizing that organics is more than a brand. Organics is more than a rule. Organics is an integrity that has deep meaning in the soil biome and the integrity of the truth. Not some kind of greenwashing you're going to go buy from some highly processed product, the UHT organic products in store. I mean, when you've got Horizon Organics and Denone Organic. With ultra high temperature pasteurized, 280 degrees Fahrenheit pasteurized milk, calling it organic, I'm sorry, none of the organics left in it. It's done, it's gone, it's destroyed. Wow. It's no longer a gut food, it's now a shelf life food. And so there's people waking up realizing, I want raw organic because that's got the integrity and it's also got all the elements which makes it truly a living food which is the meaning of
0: organic mate i just want to there's a company over here i'm going to say them i don't care because <laughs> listen, i've got the information in front of me and this is what they put out there so i'm not saying anything they haven't said themselves it's called chuckling goat um and they produce they got a goat farm they produced they produced ke- kefir but goat kefir Yeah, raw. raw it used to be raw sure. coffee, yeah. and i used to ask them is your is it I was loving your site and then I saw it's pasteurised. And and they said, We used to make our kefir with unpasteurized milk, but we switched to pasteurised milk so that groups of individuals, often ones that need kefir the most, such as elderly with compromised immune systems, infants, and pregnant women, can drink it with no anxiety or concerns. They say, They've gone to say, Of course, raw milk is saved, um, and the government hasn't caught up with it. But they said, Despite the change from raw milk from raw to pasteurised, pasteurised, testing by Swift University shows that kefir is still the same, same be- be- uh, bacterial strain, same benefits, same magic medicine. It's the live grains that populate the milk with the good bacteria, so they're the real stars of the show. We, uh, uh, and they go to say, and I said to them. Okay, I was so excited to come across your website and saw products like your your goat's milk and then I saw that you pasteurised it. Is it your choice or was it the law? Um, do you still do it? Just going off a bit of a waffle anyway. Uh, and they said, no, we, we've done it for our own back. And I said, well, I'm not sure how milk that's been homogenised to such an extent that all the proteins are denatured can give the same essential uh, benefits um, and then you add the bacteria back in. Essentially, it's bacteria in amongst dead milk uh, and they said well our our test has shown that it's still it's still the best and I, and I was like hmm so i just wondering what, what you're what you're um, as a milk expert would I be right in saying if you, if you pasteurise the milk to such an extent that everything's denatured and dead and then you add the, the, the kefir and the bacteria back in and <laughs> you're getting the benefits of the bacteria but you're still getting all the dead milk uh, and, the, and the denatured proteins in there go ahead maybe i
2: what, what they're doing is CPR on a dead food. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good to take the pasteurized product and add bad bacteria back in. That's a good thing. But mm-hmm. you're not getting the same thing at all. That's mm-hmm. completely um, mm-hmm. untrue. Yeah,
0: exactly. The science,
2: the, the science does not support that. It is not true. The 2,500 different kinds of proteins found in the milk which is the base have been changed. The enzymes, including a very critical one, the alkaline phosphatase enzyme, completely destroyed. It defines pasteurization. When you destroy that enzyme, it's effectively pasteurized milk. Uh, mineral availability is decreased. Homogenization, of it's done, which they don't need to do because homogenization has nothing to do with safety, destroys the butterfat molecule, which is really not good at all. Screws it up completely. So enzymes, bacteria, mineral availability, uh, all those things are completely changed. Proteins denatured. Then you're adding back in only a few bacteria, maybe five or ten. I'm not sure what they do. But the bottom line is you're only getting that biodiversity. Mm -hmm. Raw milk, if you're, has 150, maybe 200 different kinds of bacteria because you have the bacteria from the milk and the added bacteria from the the cultured colonies you add back in. So it's not true to say you still have the same magic food. Yes, I would say it's better than pasteurized fluid milk by itself because you added bacteria. That's great. But it's not true to say it's the same at all. Because what you've got is a detatured base, just like you said, with the addition of only some bacteria. What we're looking for is an incredible biodiversity of bacteria. Mm -hmm. That's what really establishes our immune system strong. And you also need the food to feed that bacteria so that it will grow strong. So you have not only depth of bacteria, lots of it, but also lots of bandwidth, lots of diversity. And so, yeah, there's a lot of bacteria count. In in pasteurized uh, keeper that's had bacteria culture, but it's a narrow bandwidth of diversity. So it is not the same food at all. It's completely changed.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I knew that. I just wanted to get an expert's opinion because I was just like, I didn't want to argue with them. I was just like, okay, go, good luck. You just you just you're just not getting my um, you're just getting not getting my money, <laughs> you know. Uh, and you won't get any of my audience's money because uh, it's a shame. I said to him, it's a shame because I was really excited when I saw it, and then I was like, oh, you've you've succumbed. Uh, and then and then you're arguing with me. I was like, okay, well, we know, Mark. It's just so it's awesome to get you in on that, and uh, I completely agree. You're putting live bacteria back into a dead product. <laughs> I mean, it's not the same, and it never will be. Mark, anything else you you want to add today?
2: I would encourage people to go to Farmers Over Pharmacies. There's two websites. One Australia picked up my stuff about a year ago, about eight months ago, and then we've got the uh, U.S. websites up and lobby now. And it shows a series of videos of people that have used raw milk overcome some very serious challenges a uh, child was in icu several times in one year paxson with asthma and food allergies peanut allergies almond nut all kinds of uh, allergies completely recovered the gut using guess what bone broth and raw milk kefir along with some other whole food nutrition shock unbelievable no longer on inhalers no longer an epi pen in every room running track, climbing the trees, petting the dog, living a normal life, when before he was blue in the mouth and having an allupent inhaler with epinephrine pens and going to the ICU, having a collapsed lung and antibiotics. Literally, in six months, complete recovery. Mm -hmm. So this is about the gut biome and recovery. We have a, a young lady, her name's Tara Rosas, who was literally weeks away from having a colostomy tube with Crohn's disease and four or five months later, completely cured from Crohn's. No drugs, no more Remicade, no more Humira, no more 6MP, no more anything. Uh, able to hold a job, get married, a normal life, eating normal foods. But she loves her raw milk kefir and her bone broth and other things that were whole, whole food that were good to settle the gut. So the bottom line is when your gut is well, you are well. And I would invite people to go to Farmers Over Pharmacies. And we're adding new videos all the time to talk about how you can also recover yourself in terms of where you are screwed up in your body in terms of illness and the depressed immune system because of abuse of antibiotics and all these things we've talked about. But it's a great place, Farmers Over Pharmacies. And, um, you know, look at rawmilkinstitute.org if you look at good examples of dairies that are uh, doing a great job of producing safe raw milk, rawmilkinstitute.org. So those are the two places I, I'd invite people to go look.
0: Cool, perfect. And you don't ship abroad, do you? So uh... Actually,
2: it's legal, for, it's legal, legal for us to do so.
0: Oh, yeah, so you can yeah, ship?
2: Yeah. The FDA says we can ship raw milk anywhere we want in the world as long as it's received at the country. They don't, if the if the country receiving is it, okay, we can ship it. I can't take it across state lines, but I can take it out of state. In fact, we've done airshipment into Dubai before wow. and qualms, qualms, uh, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. But it's extremely expensive. That's the problem, and you have to oh, okay. do it quickly, so it's not economically viable. Well, I just wanted to answer that by saying we could ship internationally, but we
0: don't. All right. Okay. Got you. Perfect. But we've got some stuff over here. But for people people that want to look into you and, and look into your story and the people you're working with, it's um, organicpastures.com, correct?
2: You got it, buddy.
0: Perfect. Mark, organicpastures.com. absolute pleasure talking to you. I'll, I'll definitely be get, hitting you up and getting you back on the show because um, I love your passion, my man. I think it's awesome. And um, anything, you're, any, anything new you're doing or anything new you've got coming out, then uh, let us know. But absolute pleasure talking to you, Mark. Thank you very much.
2: There's one last thing I wanted to add. There's a brand brand new study that just came out from British Columbia, PhD researchers in British Columbia, Canada. And you can find that study at rawmilkinstitute.org. But it shows that in the last 10 years, there's been a 350% increase in raw milk permits being given to farmers in the United States. A huge increase in permits for production of raw milk, and a 74% decrease in illness. So the correlation that the California the, the, uh, Centers for Disease Control made that the more raw milk is produced, the more illnesses you get is completely a crock of BS. The bottom line is raw milk is becoming safer, and I'll give a lot of that credit to the Raw Milk Institute and the fact that 10 years ago they established international standards that most raw milk dairies are following. Even if they're not uh, listed or trained, they recognize that you need to do testing and do a good job. And as a result, we see dramatic decrease in potential illnesses. No deaths, but illnesses are declined along with a massive increase in interest in raw milk in terms of permits so just a leading a point it's a peer-reviewed study now available on pubmed you can take your doctors and say look at that there's hard data there's hard data for people that are not biased to show the studies on pubmed so something to think about
0: awesome raw, raw milk uh, raw milk kefir i love coconut kefir coconut water kefir as sure. well coconut and um bone broth for the gut i mean right. gut health is awesome and for many for mark thank you very much my man awesome talking to you Um, pleasure
2: it's a pleasure it's a pleasure take care
0: so guys and girls that was mark mcafee from organicpastures.com what a show um such a passionate guy you can hear it in his voice here and everything he says goes to websites for you again are www.rawmilkinstitute.org and farmers over pharmacy be in the show notes as well and as well as his one www.organicpastures.com um, phenomenal uh, i can imagine that people he's giving you so much information there in terms of why raw milk is top top quality what what you should be looking for why pasteurized milk homogenized milk is terrible and why just adding bacteria back in doesn't doesn't mean that the quality, the quality of the products, any good. You see, a lot of these uh, milk keepers on the shelf, you get milk in the health shops, the milk keeper where the milk is actually look at the back, it's pasteurised and they've added the bacteria back in. No good. You're still drinking dead, denatured milk just with added bacteria. Yeah, it's better than drinking dead and just denatured, just just dead and denatured milk, but it doesn't mean it's the quality it should be. Um, you know, so just you have to look out for these things. These companies will will do all this sort of stuff. Um, at the end of the day, they care about the bottom line. They would do all these sort of things. You've really got to look out for the little nuances in, in things and look for the top quality. And that's why the, the farms. I mean, as you said, Marks and Hook and Son do raw milk. There's also Longwood Farm in Suffolk, and try to think of the farms. I mean, Hemel Hempstead in around that area. Hemel Hempstead Farm does raw milk. Um, then you can go to those places, and and you know, it's so important for you to get the quality quality milk, quality r- raw organic milk. Um, because you know this is going to provide so much nutrition for you and for your family, and especially if you've got little ones, it's phenomenal. The farm I was just looking it up the farm in Hemel City is called Wayside Farm. Um, they do a uh, they do a phenomenal raw milk. I get it there quite often. It's gorgeous. And you can just taste the difference between raw milk and the conventional pasteurised, bastardised milk. It's not even milk. I don't know what it is. It's like it's like milk-like stuff. So I can call it from now on. And so if you're looking to get quality milk there's a few little examples if you have a look at look in your area go online check out online if you th- those of you guys in the country up and down the country as well and in the north you've got lots of farmers around you should be able to pick up some quality raw milk for yourself and speak to the farmer talk talk to him about how he how he treats his cattle talk, see his passion taste the milk for yourself check it out and you know um the quality it, it's going to be and same as with the soil science guys and camel milk and and then even the meat etc it's all about sustainability quality produce higher standards and keeping it organic and this is why we've got to go local now guys because these big companies are bastardizing the organic the organic um standards so we can get local even better so that's that for today's show i've got some absolute killers coming up for you um in the future don't know who I'm going to put on next so I'm not going to say yet Um, but yeah um, that's that also guys as I mentioned before the show head over to www.reviveyourself.co lots of free articles over there free information we've got a free 4-day mini course anyone who's got a chronic health issue and they want to know the basics about how to get around that anyone who's dealing with a long-term chronic issue and they need some one-to-one support you can send me an email ryan at reviveyourself.co and you can um well, we can see if we can book a call and see to see if and how we can help you uh, we've got a couple of spaces on our programs uh, at the moment open for october um otherwise guys and girls that's it for today's show um oh actually no last thing as i mentioned before the shop will be open soon hopefully it will be up and running by this show actually or maybe the next um, and I'll be doing more articles linking in some of the quality products, especially on the Revive Yourself site. On um, on Facebook and on yeah on Facebook, it's hard to put the links in because they don't want you to be linking off the website. But if we put it on the on the email sign so up to our email, if you go into into Revive Yourself at www.reviveyourself.co and sign up to any of our things, you'll bring our email list and you'll get all the different products that I'll be promoting. Um, I am not sponsored by any of these guys. These are just um, Products that I want you to have, or sorry, products that I want that I'm going to put my finger stamp to it. You know, the Rive Yourself logo is my fingerprint. It's my seal of approval. And I wouldn't give anything to my clients that I wouldn't give to myself. I wouldn't take myself or my fam- or, or give to my family. Um, top top quality products, all of them organic. A lot of them are fermented and wild crafted. They come from the best places on the planet. And this is the thing we talk about, Ruben. These aren't supplements. These are whole food, whole food supplements. They're concentrated nutrients that's broken down and in deliverable freeze-dried uh, freeze, freeze dried, um, formulas, so you're getting an abundance of vitamins, minerals, Krebs cycle um, minerals, um, you know, photonutrients, etc., this top, top end, and, and the probiotics, etc., sulfurs, fulvic acids, whatever it may be, um, everything that I'll have in my shop will be top end, I'll also be putting saunas on there soon as well, guys, uh, from Clear Spring top end infrared saunas different shapes and sizes can have Aries Tech on there as well which is going to be electromagnetic frequency blockers Um, going to have our uh, AquaTair water filters on there so if you want to filter your house depending on what you you, you do you'll you'll buy them through me and then I'll get that off to you because I need to know what how many bedrooms your house is and if your water is hard or soft that's another one once we do all this they will be on the on the, on the site and you'll be able to get them for us um just so you know you know sometimes i know what it's like a lot of you guys tell me it's information overload you don't know where to look um you don't know you don't know who's saying the truth or not so i'm going to cut through all the bullshit for you and put it our on our site so you've got our shop and everything and they will have my seal of approval on it okay guys and girls otherwise that's it for today's show as always stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon bye bye
1: if you're struggling with gut issues such as gas bloating constipation diarrhea indigestion heartburn and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects then don't forget to head over to ReviveYourself.co and pick up your free copy of the healing health paradigm today